Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about how to plan and execute an unforgettable event that will dazzle your guests and generate more income for your organization. From fundraising and securing trendy auction items to event production and logistics, get the best tips and advice from seasoned fundraising and event professionals who have been in your shoes. Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about all the ways you can make your next fundraising event better. And we've got a a really cool group of guys here to talk about consignment items. So I want to introduce first in the studio, Justin Bear. Hi, Justin Bear here. Auctioneer extraordinaire and absolutely awesome hand-bid employee as well. But we have a very special guest we're excited to introduce you guys to, and that is Jason Champion. Jason, go ahead and tell him your title, your role, and the company that you work for. Awesome. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. Thanks for having me today. This is going to be a lot of fun. My name is Jason Champion. I'm the VP of Business Development at Windspire, and Windspire is the largest provider of unique bucket list travel experiences to nonprofits to use in their fundraising. All about consignment, what we're going to talk about. Yes. And bucket list is absolutely correct because still on my bucket list, to your point earlier, is the waste management open. <laughs> That's you know that is that has turned into more of a party than a golf tournament. It, it's it's great. We have we have really nice success with that package. It's it's a lot of fun, but it is it's definitely not the Masters. It is it is it is going and having a good couple of days. Fair enough. Fair enough. Friends. And, yes. Yes. And we just did a podcast recently on fraud and sports memorabilia and and you brought up the masters and we we're not we're, we're going to dive into consignment here in a second but just to tell the master story there's a lot of fraud with those tickets mm-hmm. and so absolutely you know one of the things that you have to do when you're looking for these types of trips or experiences make sure please make sure you're buying it from a reputable company right. inspire is one of those reputable companies so you can absolutely feel safe that you're buying a legitimate set of tickets you know, my daughter just went to Taylor Swift. That is kind of not my thing, but it is her thing. And it, I was so nervous for her. I'll tell you why. For the same reason with fraud. She you know, she bought her tickets from Ticketmaster and Taylor Swift. So I, I was feeling somewhat confident. But as soon as she was offered $6,000 a piece for her tickets, which by the way, crazy as it may seem, she turned down. I was really nervous she wasn't going to get in, you know. I and, and right. I thought that way from some fo- some of our folks that have bought masters packages at handbid events, not from handbid, but from you know the the charities hired some company and then heard stories about those people showing up and finding out that those tickets were fake. Oh. So, so since we're talking about the masters, yeah. I I would like to discuss that for a second. We are the true only provider of masters passes to nonprofit auctions. So we are able to use their collateral, marketing materials, things like that. We have a true partnership with them. That is the reasons why we're able to offer the master's package. So when somebody else says they have master's tickets, if they don't use the correct terminology, because there are not tickets, they are passes. Passes must come through a member or a certain organization, and we're able to have access to those. So that's just a way to combat that real quickly to understand what's happening. No, that's... That's important to know. And you know what? You heard it here on the Elevate Your Event podcast. We will extract that comment out and make sure that it's in the show notes because I think that is valuable information for people to know. There you go. And But it, 
it leads into what we're talking about, which is you're running a fundraising event. We already know it's hard enough to get items. Right. right? And we also know that Uncle Johnny's cabin in Breckenridge is getting a little tired at your event. Okay. I'm sure Uncle Johnny's cabin's nice. Okay. But you've sold it for 10 years in a row. You're trying to mix things up and it's hard, but you, you go to these other auctions and you see this like Broadway musical packages or Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or the Masters, you know, or even let's just kind of step it back a notch and just say, you know, like just any sort of PGA tournament or professional sports event. Right. And you're thinking to yourself, how do I get that? Right. So, Jason, talk a little bit about the concept of consignment, how it works, how you help organizations find the type of items that are going to fit for them, whether it's like destination or budget or whatever, and then kind of where the process goes from there. Yeah. So, you know, we always, first and foremost, we try to educate our customers in the best way possible about using consignment items because there is too much. And there's there's sometimes not enough, so there, it's it's best to have a great value across the board. And you know, one of the reasons to use consignment items, first of all, in your auction is one, it increases variety. You know, you have much more options that are out there on the market. And like you said, Brenda's Beach House and Teddy's Cabin, all are great things, and they've been wonderful in the event. You know, but those also do grow tired after a while. And it, it's a wonderful donation. And yes, but. With being able to use consignment, you increase your variety of items that are out there. You know, it gives you more unique and exclusive items because while we all have those amazing board members that say at the start of that meeting for that event, we're going to be able to get us free Broadway tickets and tickets to the hotel at the plaza and I will get you dinner with Tom Colicchio and it's going to be amazing. And then two weeks before, Susan was unable to deliver that. So that's where being able to lock down somebody that can do these items truly at the start is a great way to fill in when, when you have those kind of overpromises and underdelivered on a lot of situations. You know, it also gives you a higher perceived value. You know, consignment items are awfully precision around high value, regular donated items. You know, you're going to raise much more off of a trip to Brazil than a $40 gift certificate at Outback. So you're only going to get so many for those certain items. But, you know, with us, we do some, we'll say it's my product job, is to have some expert curation on some of these items because it it shows our experience within the industry that we really work in, which is hospitality. And being able to provide that hospitality back to your donors when they're on those experiences is really all of what it's about. It's not about us as Windspire as the brand. It's about taking what you've done at that event so hard, getting those butts in the seats, raising that amount of money that you needed to, to have that experience continue on all the way through that experience. If it was that they did get tickets to go to an event or they even bought a golf cart in the auction, because we've all seen those, you know, the experience after that is really where we come into play of using some great consignment items. It also minimizes the risk. Like you are provided to it on consignment. And for those that don't know what consignment is, it's we're giving it to the nonprofits at free. And the only thing that's associated to it with is when they sell that item and what that ticket price that came with that item. We provide everything at a flat cost. We do not take percentages. We provide you every piece of marketing material to go along with it to promote it. So at that point, if a package is $1,000 and you sell it for $2,000, you pay your invoice for a thousand and you keep a thousand in your pocket. 
if it does not sell, no harm, no foul. You keep on moving because what we do a lot of education around too is the fact that we can provide these items and they could have been a tentpole item that sold something else in that auction because somebody may have been looking at this through hand bid and gone, eh, nothing I really like. And then they see a travel and then they're like, hmm, that's kind of fun. And it helps them grow and go deeper into that system. You know, so consignments can add value to your nonprofit auction and it could offer by a, a wide range of experiences, memorabilia, jewelry, art. You can go with all of those folks, you know, and it really helps perceive the value of what you're offering at a much higher level. No, that's that's good. And, and I've used them in mine and I agree with you. Does I, I feel like it does take, especially your live auction, it takes it to a new level. It really mm -hmm. does elevate, no pun intended for our podcast. <laughs> it really does elevate your event. So, so let's talk about, you know, how do you help your clients determine like what to get? I've seen your catalog. It's extensive. We, right. we, yes, so, we have 275 live products that have at least three to four offerings within each set of that product. So, you know, side note, we're going under a major underhaul right now, Windspire on the back end of technology. And so I know exactly how many packages we have. I know exactly where they go, what they do, because I have my hands in every one of them on a daily basis at this point. So we do what we do offer a very wide variety of products for your offerings for sure. So, so charities reach out to you. Are they, do they already have a selection in mind or are they talking to you and saying what sells the best or what do you recommend? And, you know, and how does your staff help them with that? So I want to start out with a pro tip <laughs> with okay. this conversation is one, every nonprofit that's listening right now, take your attendee list, take the attendee list from the previous year, send them an email. Ask them if you had travel, art, jewelry, whatever that it is. List five to 10 trips that you think may work out of our catalog. Send out that survey. Get them to fill it out because when they get 75 answers back saying you want Cancun, guess what you should pick? Cancun. So that is the best way to work with that. Now, nonprofits do come to the table with some set thoughts in their head of what they're looking for, what they're trying to do, potentially maybe off of what they've sold in the past what they may have talked to a donor saying that they were looking for. It just really depends. But when we get a customer into the door, our team spends a considerable amount of time making sure they're educated in the proper ways to use consignment and how to properly promote consignment. Because we basically walk away from that first meeting having told them what, you know, Winspire's top five things are to do to make sure that this is successful, you know, to make sure that you're going to drive the revenue that you're looking on because this is what you're shooting for. So if you're right. able to take those and then implement those into those strategies that we've given you, it's a great product display, depending on the size of your auction, as I always try to say, a beach, a city, a mountain, and something international. Unless you have something in mind of like a pro sporting event or something specific around Broadway, there's things that you could pick and go like that. But sometimes general in those areas really open mm -hmm. the door for being, have a great offering of what's out there. No, that's good. And and, you know, I'll give you some of my own personal experience, you know, kind of trying to figure out how to do this. And for years, we we actually auctioned off our own cabin in the mountains. And I think to to your point, it, it was nice, but I think mean, people were kind of sick and tired of bidding on that. And so we went looking for new stuff. And 
my experience in doing that through Windspire, it was good. I mean, and, and we sat down and it was kind of a collaboration. We're, we're trying to figure out, okay, so our auction is in Denver, Colorado. What are people going to want to do? Where are they going to want to travel? What's easy? What's extensive? And we tried a bunch of things. You know, we tried a trip, you know, Thailand. Actually did sell it, but the feedback was we had an amazing time, but it took 20 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so we said, okay, so we want to make it convenient. We want to make it reasonable. If you're going on a seven-day trip, I don't want you to have to take a 14-day vacation to, to do your seven-day trip. So is it easy to get to? Is it easy to get back? Is it somewhere? So Colorado, the funny thing is, is, is that it, it usually is reasonably, you know, moderate here mm-hmm. climate-wise. Not this last year, though. I felt like I lived in Iowa. Oh, that was <laughs> okay. horrible. So, so anyway, our winter was brutal. I want to go somewhere warm. And so that started to kind of, I would say, you know, inform like, hey, we're, let's, let's look at Mexico. Let's look at the Caribbean places that I think are reasonably easy to get to that can be warm in the right. winter. And we saw a lot of success with that, you know, and I really do want to, you know, say thanks to the Windspire team because they were, they were really helpful in saying, okay, you know, based on that criteria, here's some packages that really do sell well, you know, from your area of the country and that do well in this, you know, in this particular environment. I love your idea about surveys, you know, and, and ironically we did a wait till, you know, you just wait. I don't even think it has to be a year. Wait six months. We just did a podcast recently on AI and what you're going to be able to do by basically feeding a, you know, past bidder list or guest list into an AI engine and it's spitting out Windspire packages. (laughs) (laughs) It's not far off. I love that. I Um, love that. That's great. I want to, I want to comment on one of the things that you said, you know, you said you auctioned off and it goes back to the beach house, the lake house, cabin, all that stuff that board members donate and they auction off. So this is one of the services that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to this, who played the travel agent? in that part yeah the donor did and it was brutal okay so you just said that as a donor so your experience with that was difficult to say the other yes. part was probably you having to coordinate with the nonprofit to get connected with the winning bidder to do that whole loop back around checking dates all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff back and forth that is the things that people don't take in consideration well it was donated to us it was free yeah but who's going to call at three in the morning, when the water heater shoots through the roof of that place, what? Who, who is that donor going to call? Are they calling you or are they calling the homeowner? How does that work? That's why we have our services provided from start to finish. We have 24-hour contacts with all of our travelers that at any moment, something that could go wrong, we're there to fix. We're there to jump in. We're making sure your flight, hey, you know the flight's delayed. We're fixing that. Hey, we're putting you on another flight to do this. That is how in touch and detailed what we're doing, because we have to remember we're working with people that came to the table through a philanthropic effort and spent a lot of money on these. So their expectations are quite high. And most of the time, those donors and those travelers are well-traveled. Their second, third incomes, homes, educations, everything to go along with that. So there's a high level of customer service that goes into play to keeping that experience from that moment of hoping of raising the hand and buying that package till the time they get off that plane and get back in their car and get home. There's a lot of expectation. I, okay, so we, we need to dwell on this for a little bit because what you're saying is so critically important that our, 
our, our listeners really do need to understand the nuances here and how important they are. Because, and I'm going to tell you from from our own experience. Right? So, the thing is, is what you're describing is a situation where a, a consignment company or or a travel company like yours has to understand what these people bought and at what level Correct. they bought it at. So, for example, say, I'm making this up, but say you have a tra- an amazing travel package for four and it costs $3,000 to the charity, but it goes for $9,000 in the auction, okay? Now, there's companies out there, and I've worked with them, who view you as a $3,000 customer, Correct. okay? Not a $9,000 customer or a $10,000, whatever it might be, okay? But that person views themselves as somebody who just spent nine grand on this. And so they're expecting a phone number to call when the water heater blows. And it goes beyond that. It goes to all the little side elements that kind of create a successful trip. So I'd mentioned this to you before, but, and this is, this is our, this is the hand past. Okay. It's definitely not the present and it certainly will never be the future, right? We're going to rely on partners like Winspire, <laughs> but we started selling this stuff. We're like, Wow, this looks like a, a great add-on to our handbit events. We're going to start reselling these packages. And so the problem was is our partner was still supposed to be the travel agent, okay? But th- a lot of the partners we worked with viewed these customers as $1,500 customers, $2,000 customers, not eight or $9,000 right. customers. And they didn't have all the other side things. So we're we're getting phone calls. And mind you, Normally, these all occur 18 months to two years <laughs> after the person bought the package. Okay. Hambit has mentally moved on. <laughs> the day after mentally the event finan- and the reports were run. That's yes. Right. <laughs> That's right. We've shaken hands. We've said our thing. It's like, this trip has been passed over to this company. It's right. time for them to fulfill it. 18 months later, I'm getting a complaint <laughs> from some guy that bought this thing for $8,000 who's like, how do I get from the airport? to this villa that I bought. And the charity told me to call you, right? <laughs> Not me personally, but he's- No, but that's what happens. I'm like, it's what happens. And so we're in arguments with these companies and we're saying, I need it all in. Like, if you're going to build a package that is going to, I would say, appropriately meet the needs of the people that are buying it, you got to you know, do all the pre-trip planning with them. You have to be their concierge. You got to give them ideas advice and ideas on excursions. You got to pick them up at the airport or at least have contracted with somebody to do it and to take them right. back. I mean, and so these are all the little things you have to think about because look, we get it. Like you as an organization, as a nonprofit, you're trying to maximize revenue. So you're looking at how can I reduce costs in certain areas? This is not one of them, you guys. This is one where you, you've got probably some of your best donors in the room contributing money, they're using their discretionary income. And what that means, and so this is something that I think a lot of people miss, there's two parts of people's wallets that come out at events. <laughs> there's the there's the charitable wallet, okay? and that has averaged 2% of people's adjusted gross income for, not centuries, but for a long time, okay? Doesn't really vary that much. Americans on average give about 2% of their adjusted gross income to charities. That's your paddle raise. Okay. The rest is discretionary. These are the, this is their stuff. It's their vacation. It's their snowblower. It's their Traeger grill. It's the other stuff that they 
after they've covered all the essentials they want to spend their money on entertainment, food, you know, so that is where these consignment items are going to come out of. So you have somebody who might've donated 10,000 in your paddle raise and is turning around and is going to spend $10,000 on a trip. This isn't the guy you want to anger right. or frustrate, right? Do right. you agree? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that there's, there's a couple of things to unpack under that. So I'll, I'll get yeah. to all those. I think, you know, it leads into making sure that you're working with a trusted partner. I mean, you know, when you're vetting any kind of consignment company, us, anybody else, if you're vetting any technology company, you know, go look at the reputation and the track record, you know, research the mm -hmm. vendor's reputation in the industry, look for reviews, testimonials, all that kind of good stuff. You know, look at the quality of their items, you know, examine the quality of the items, you know, make sure that that is truly of something that is unattainable behind the scenes, back door, however you can get something really unique from it. Look at the variety and the range of the products offer, because that shows you how deep that company is in with multiple companies and, and chains and around the world to pull off some of these experiences and the level of which that they're selling those. So that makes it huge. You know, always make sure that you have the proper contractual agreements in place with anyone. Review the terms and conditions of what it is. Make sure that you have insurance if you need to. What happens to unsold items? Clarify any of those questions and concerns you may have, you know, and then make sure that that partner can provide you with the marketing and promotional support that's needed, you know, inquiring about the vendor's marketing and promotion support of the consignment items or some of the things that people totally forget about. They're like, oh, it's just a great picture. Let me just put this picture out there and that's it. Like where you guys as technology space have come is you're able to use video and more, more, more photos and things like that to make it much more interactive so people can see what they're looking at. So work with somebody that has video footage of what that trip is. Make sure that you work with people that can provide you with descriptions, not only in a beautiful PDF that their donors can read standing there, or but also in Word docs that they can cut up and use in their promotion. Make sure that they provide you with raw images of stuff. So if they do want to build their own collateral, they can build the collateral. It's still on brand with what we're offering and it needs to be translated all the way through. But, you know, key things, key, key, key is customer service and support. You know, we talked about this previously yep. about the level of detail that we work with customers. That is just huge. You've got to make sure that someone is going to be taken care of all the way across the, across the board. You know, things to avoid when you're looking at vetting these kind of companies. One, look at the inflating prices. See if you can figure out what they have and put it on a website. Make sure that you can see that it's out there. If it's not out there, where is these prices coming from? Because you're going to be able to judge. Obviously, people know our prices are well below retail because of the deals that me and my partner at the work do to build these contracts, to work with these vendors that we have long-term relationships with because I send them mm -hmm. thousands of room nights a year. So I have access and buying power that I'm able to lock down all of those stuff. And that's why we're able to keep true consistent pricing without adding a percentage when somebody sells something or, hey, this changed after you bought it, things like that. We don't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, make sure that there's good communication because poor communication and the reliability from them getting back to you is going to show how your donors are going to be treated. Yep. Lack of flexibility. You know, if they don't have the ability to work with people and say, you're able to travel at this, obviously, if it's the Super Bowl, you all know when that's going. They're not going to change the date for you. <laughs> 
But, you right. know, if it's a trip that you have, we'll work with them. You know, one of the things of the entry process that are what we call winning bidders ourselves, when they come into our system, you know, we talk to them, we find out what their interests are, we hear all that, and then we build a relationship with them, you know, and, and to start the booking process, we ask them for three or four dates that would work for them. And so then we're able to go back to our vendors, kind of plug in those dates with our vendors to see if any of them work for it, and then build the trip from there. And then we go back to them and say, okay, yep. here's your, here's your, here's was one of your first four options. Here's your trip. This is what we can do. And then it starts to build even a deeper relationship with those folks and how to do it. People are looking to cut costs for nonprofits. One, every nonprofit list to me right now, stop shopping with your pocketbook. We're not going to Fiji. You're probably not going to Fiji. We love working in the nonprofit industry. We're all overworked, underpaid, short staff, right? You know, so that is just part of the game. Quit shopping with somebody, though, of trying to best buy, get this and the cheapest that you can there because they're going to pay ten, twenty, thirty-five thousand dollars $35,000 for it. And when you found cheap, they're going to know it. So talking about detailed yep. descriptions and stuff, you know, there's companies out there that are ambiguous in what they write. They say, oh, it's a five-star hotel. You know, what is it? You know, oh, it's this kind of a trip through the day going to two wineries. What wineries? You know, that is the difference with us is our itineraries are so detailed, it doesn't leave it open for question. And to go way back for what you said of ground transportation, always, that's included in stuff because when people arrive, they need to be welcomed, they need to know what's happening, and they need to be taken to their location to go from there. That's what we do every time. And guests are now catching on, you know, as a auctioneer, they're, as the, the item or package is being sold, they're asking, you know, hey, how many nights, how many people, what are the blackout oh. dates, you know, those exact details. They might not bid on it if it's Correct. not scripted enough. Correct. Right. right. But no, but it's, it's a good point. But I, I also, look, I want to rebalance this conversation a little bit because we, we are kind of beating up on some of these consignment companies a little, rightfully so. But we also have to make sure that bidders meet their side of the bargain too. And so we've seen it, you know, somebody's maybe their judgment's been a little bit impaired by the libations that you've served at your event. And they decide that they're going to buy this, you know, trip for six to Tuscany and they're going to find all their friends to go with them, whatever it is. Right. And they spend, you know, $10,000 on this thing. And then they sober up the next day and then they call into the consignment company and they're like, we have to go the week between Christmas and New Year's yeah. this year. Well, I'm sorry, sir, that's not available. Okay, then we went out, right? And so as a charity, please make sure that you've identified in your terms and conditions that they have to be willing to work with yep. companies also because it is a two-way street and they're committing to do this. You're not letting them out of their bids. You shouldn't, in most cases, let them out of this commitment to buy this trip. You just need to be making sure that you work with companies like Winspire or whoever that are going to allow them to to be yep. flexible with that. But but there is a level of unreasonableness that you just also have. I have to yep. caution people. Yeah, there's a, and there's buyer's remorse for sure. Sometimes, you know, it, it, yep. somebody spends $20,000 and it, it was a Ferrari trip through Italy. You know, they were getting egotistical and or libations were rolling at that time, you know, and so there are those. Yeah. And, you know, we work with the nonprofits on that. We we would refund them any kind of money that is attached to that. We try to help them not refund the money to the winning bidder. And like you said, having documentation in place, when you walk out, it's done. We charge your credit card. Thank you very much. And if you don't want the trip, then we'll just turn this into a donation. 
You know, I mean, that's just, you got to. Well, but you have 275 items. Look, I I might be going out on a ledger because I've not asked you this prior to the podcast, but I would imagine if somebody said, I don't want the Ferrari trip, could you work them into a different Winspire experience? And that goes along to what I was saying earlier about flexibility, you know, having flexibility to work with these donors, because again, you have to remember the people that we're working with. High level of income, second educations, third homes, all that kind of crazy stuff like that. They may need flexibility. And that's why we give them two years to book this trip. Obviously, when it gets closer to the end and if it's closer to the end of the two years, they've already booked and something changes. We're going to continue to work with them. They're very upfront within what their feelings are and say, look, hey, I got pulled into doing this or that. And we have to work and accommodate around those because these people that are buying this have busy lives and that, that's why we offer them right. five six dates to get it done we give them two years to book and travel we obviously with COVID, when everybody had plenty of time to sit and think about what the world was going on we had plenty of time to think through all of our customer service levels that we needed to make sure that we we could be doing stuff and that's where we were that's where we came out <laughs> on the other side with a solid foundation of what we walked into COVID, but even stronger when we walked out to make sure that we knew exactly who was traveling what we're doing the detail of data, the information that we needed from them, and to really build all of ourselves nice profiles that we know what these people are that we can now provide back to a nonprofit and say, this is what we worked with. These are these people. Are you taking them more than coffee? Are you seeing them at the gala? Are you having some serious conversations? Because this is the magnitude of what this donor could be for you. And that's, that's really cool, the fact that consignment also can help you attract new donors you may have never had before. You know, people may raise their right. hand on products that they had never done anything with that organization before. They may have only had a ticket or just showed up with friends or whatever that they did. And this could have brought in a whole new donor base into the room. I, that's a great segue into talking about the auction in general, because you're absolutely right. And we talk about this largely on the silent auction side, but it does it applies to live auctions as well. Auctions are a great way to connect mm-hmm. new donors, people who may not be ready to donate even down to $100 to your event because they don't know your charity very well yet, but they're going to buy something yep. in your auction yep. seller. So let's talk about that for a second. So as it relates to auctions, I mean, you know, and we we teach this, right? And, and I actually gave a session at the Worldwide College of Auctioneering about this. This came up with a lot of live auctioneers in the room. What's the difference between silent and live and what items should go where, right? And what we talked about was the, you know, it's kind of the difference between Nordstrom <laughs> and Nordstrom Rack, okay? And, and, and actually, there's a, I think it's in New York. They're yep. next door to each other, okay? So these things can be in proximity to each other. Your silent auction folks tend to be, not always, but tend to be your bargain hunters. Your live auction bidders, which, what did you say earlier? How many people in an auction? About 10% of the room actually okay. yeah. participate in the live auction. Yeah. So 10% of them are ego buyers. Okay. So you have the folks that are like, I really do want that, you know, that Travis Matthew golf shirt. I'm heading to Nordstrom Rack to see if I can get a deal. Okay. And they are going to buy it for 40 bucks. Versus the guy who says, I want the Travis Matthew golf shirt. I don't want to look through racks for my size. I want to be greeted at the door when I walk in. I want to be escorted to the Travis Matthew section, and I'm going to pay $120 for the same shirt, right? And everybody's going to see me in Nordstrom's buying this thing. So 
we always talk about the live auction really being the place where some of these types of trips are going to excel. But tell us, give us your wisdom there. Is it is it typically only live auction, or do you see a place in the silent auction for consignment items? Again, it goes back to educating the customer. You know, what is the highest dollar item you've ever sold in your live auction, and what is the highest dollar you've ever sold in your silent auction? You know, and figure out accordingly from there how to place items that could draw attention, make impact, and drive revenue. You know, those are the three things that you're always trying to think of. So when we talk about silent auctions, you know have a variety of things. Don't have just all travel, all art, all gift cards, whatever it is, do a mix of stuff. And we try to limit people mm-hmm. two to three packages, depending on the number of items that they have to put in their silent auction. And then have one fantastic okay. live auction item that could be something really impactful, tent pole, have multiple bids, possibly sell, sell multiple times. It really just depends. And then if you had something, I think, auctioneers call it the run around or whatever that it is maybe something like that because mm-hmm. travel always works in that kind of situation as well so really the fundraisers should know their audience and be able to one make determinations on what price points and what they should be doing along with analyzing and researching what people are looking to do and that's definitely how they can have a successful silent or alive with our products yeah and i would say one thing you just brought up, I think is a fantastic idea. And just for people who don't understand the concept of a runaround for mobile bidding companies, can you should do this if you're because you like to drive mobile bidding companies crazy, do a runaround because those things can go on forever. And that mobile bidding company has to enter in everything. Well, Jeff, I thought you guys were so. tech savvy and it was super easy to use technology <laughs> platforms out there. I'm sure it's super smooth. You got this worked out. We haven't worked out. It's funny, though, because the way that works is you usually start at mm-hmm. a low dollar donation, okay? And you're at whoever is the last person. Yeah. We call it last yep. man standing. Last man standing. Last man standing. Run around. So whoever the last donor is wins the prize. And to your point you just brought up, this is the key thing. Yeah. The prize has to be good, yeah. okay? It can be a $100 gift card to Chipotle. I'm not donating $100 right. for that, Okay. So the prize has to be good. And when I say good, like meaningfully good. And so I think a consignment item from a Winspire makes right. absolutely perfect sense. And so make that prize worth, you know, I don't know what it'd be worth, but, but make that thing cost you 1500 yeah. to 2000 bucks, and watch what happens in this one around because yep. people are going to want that. And so they're going to donate a hundred and then someone else is going to donate a hundred and the auctioneer is going to say going once, going twice. And then another hand's going to come up for a hundred. And I did an event recently where one person donated wow. 13 times. That's awesome. Okay. That's 13. Right. They paid totally. for the item. Yep. Okay. So now everything is profit on top of that. So I a hundred percent, I love that idea. For charities out there, if you're thinking about it, you're not sure what it is, ask your auctioneer. If they've never done a runaround before, maybe interview some auctioneers. Boom. <laughs> it's just another way <laughs> to. out there now. <laughs> uh, exactly. I'm not here to tell you to get a new auctioneer. Then let's go back to the live. The other thing you said that I think is important is you said have that one amazing tentpole significant item. I love that because I've seen – I'd probably rather have that, Jason, and I'm not here to, you know, obviously to, to minimize Winspire revenue, but I've seen 
maybe five mediocre trips. And I would probably rather replace those with one, maybe two really cool bucket list type stuff. Right. So people can book their own, their own vacation, you know, but you know, with the Windspire or consignment, you know, they can curate the whole trip from start to finish. And, you know, that's a kind of like a bucket list trip that most people don't have the experience planning where as a consignment company, they can do that So I'll flex a little bit on this one. That tent pole item, reach out to us. We can build anything. So if it's something that you want to build mission centric, if it is something that we want to build that someone that you knew was going to give a $30,000 donation for, let's build it specific to them. I work with organizations all over this country. And we sit down sometimes and say, what can we come up with that's going to be custom that we may have heard from our donors, or it's going to be something that when they're on this trip, they're going to remember why they bought this here and what their mission is. So I work with different levels of organizations. Big brothers, big sisters, I'll use as an example. We sell a package in Dallas, Texas, that's going to Broadway. Nothing to do with big brothers, big sisters, except for the fact that on that Saturday morning, we were working with that big brothers, big sisters in Manhattan to make sure that those donors could show up at that organization for about an hour to do some volunteer work, walk around and check it out. Super cool, right? Yeah. Okay. So then I work right. with organizations like the NAACP. We built an entire Southern Heritage Tour around going to Memphis and then to Montgomery to make sure that they could see some of the civil rights museums and things along that lines. It spoke to their audience. They sold it like 13 times. It was crazy. So when you all come to us as nonprofits and say, I'm stuck, I don't know, we'll get creative. We'll come up with something fun that will be able to help drive that revenue, like in that run around or last man standing package that you're going to get a high dollar, 30, 40, $50,000. You know, we just did this for an organization down in Palm Beach. It was a children's healthcare organization. They reached out wanting Taylor Swift tickets. We were able to get front row tickets at SoFi Stadium coming up in LA next month. We had first class flights from Boca Raton directly to LAX on JetBlue's new Mint plane that's all first class. So it was a great package. They planned on selling it twice. They sold it four times. Having all the things that you can have as tools that we can do for you is really what makes a difference with us and how deep we go with our customers and our donors while they're traveling. I love it. I think it's it's a great way to kind of wrap up this podcast is to talk about you have your 275 packages, but that's not the end of the list. To your point, get on the phone with these guys and brainstorm a little bit. Maybe you maybe you do know your guests perfectly well or reasonably well, and you're like, this is the package I feel like we need, right. and I just can't find it. I love that. You know, and we've had this conversation before, and and, and I, I kind of felt the same way when we were we were selling wine packages and like, hey, wine country. Like, I know my donor base likes wine. Okay. I know that they will spend money on it, whether it's like physically at the event or some sort of experience. But look, I'll be honest with you, and there's no offense to the Napa yeah. Valley. I am done selling Napa Valley wine yep. packages. Everybody's been. Okay. And so it's like, hey, Windspire, can we do a Dry Creek Valley wine experience? And can we do a Russian River Valley one? Or can we take them to the Willamette Valley and do something really cool up in Oregon, you know, or Washington State? And that that to me is where it's yep. like that's helpful. Because I don't have those connections. Absolutely. That's and, and that's the, the beautiful thing of the buying power and the resources we have. And for the longevity. I mean, we've been in business since 2009. Look, we were 
We survived and started in the recession. We made it through COVID as an event travel company. We pivoted. We made that work, you know, to where we are now. Yeah. And like I said, yeah. we're, it, we're stronger than ever. Our relationships deepened over COVID. There was not a day that I was not on the phone with a hotel in South America or a wine tasting in Tuscany to backstage Broadway of us trying to figure out how to go virtual to make sure that those packages could still be delivered. Right. So our relationships only strengthened in those times while our customer base shrank drastically. We were still able to continue to move forward and build deep, long-lasting relationships that are the benefit of what nonprofits are getting to reap right now. That's awesome. All right, we'll get ready. Call Elon up. I want to be okay, on the spaceship trip to Mars. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't so. know if I want to go on anything <laughs> right now that leaves off the planet. You know, if it's, a, it's that's or goes to the bottom of the ocean. I was going to say point. that, but I think that maybe that was a little too soon. But same thing. You know, I don't know if I want to do that right now after what just happened. <laughs> Keep that up. Make that your new company, Winspire Extreme. Oh, that can be a whole other mental note right there. We're done. We're done. That's right. All right. Well, thank you, Jason, for your time. This has been a fantastic episode talking about consignment. Again, I encourage everybody, um, reach out, ask questions. If you love this podcast, leave us a five-star review. Talk about it. Share it, please. Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you tend to listen to or watch your, spot, your podcast because we're on YouTube as well. Please let people know about it. This has been a great episode. I think it's been educational. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for attending. We're going to wrap up this episode of Elevate Your Event podcast. And again, elevate your event next time with a consignment item.